Ever wonder why there's no woman faces in From Publications? Have you ever been disappointed by the lack of female viewing material? And why are some rabbis so upset about this? I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Mati Cohen. And this is Jewish Thought Flow. Due to technical difficulties, we'll be performing the music. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Jewish Thought Flow. Sorry for the long break. We had Rosh Hashanah, we had Yom Kippur. Um, and we're about to go in Sukkot, so we wanted to get in a buzzer-beater episode, something to listen to over the Cholomayad, uh period. This week we're going to spe- be speaking about women's faces and why they're not in the more extreme of the From publications. I mean, you'll find them in Jewish Action or anything from the OU, but you won't find them in Mishpacha Magazine or Ami Magazine. Or in Al Jazeera Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Um, we're going to talk about that because a lot of people are upset about this, um, mainly our female listeners um, and female people, <laughs> you know, all throughout the world are upset because it seems like they're being marginalized again. You know, they've been marginalized through most of history by, unfortunately, um, a lot of the patriarchy, yeah, the patriarchy, the evil patriarchy. Um, so it just seems like this is another trend, right? We're just blocking women out of our lives. They just don't have a face. They don't have a voice. Stay in the kitchen and don't get involved in any of our stuff. That's what it seems like. So to combat that, they actually they started a website called JewishWomenHaveFaces.com. On there, you could find the Rate Your Rebitson <laughs> app. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a website that aims at trying to fight this uh, trend within, let's say, Haredi population, the Yeshivish population, and trying to bring women back into the magazine. And they do so by making moralistic and halachic, or what they believe to be halachic and, and theological arguments in favor of bringing the woman back into the picture. So we summarize their arguments for you, um, and we're going to be going through them a little more in detail, and we break it apart and see, are, is there any merit to those arguments? But the summary of their arguments is basically as follows, and Mati will take us away in this part. Yeah, so the most common complaint was that it's degrading to women. Uh, it makes them feel objectified, like even their image is something that's usser. Um, one quote was, the victims of a man's chumrah. The second one is it's degrading to men, because men end up becoming these people who can't even see a picture of a woman without their mind going to dirty places. Uh, it lessens possible positive impact. So if you have a picture of a woman in a magazine, just like we get inspired by pictures of Rabunim, uh, so, so too, if there's a, a you know an article about a woman who did let's say an amazing job in something, or or she's a you know a public speaker, so maybe seeing her face can, could increase her impact. Also, seeing how they're dressed sneously, and you know, seeing a woman out there who's dressed sneously with with our values may also be positive. I'm saying the only other woman you're seeing, if you're not seeing them in a Jewish context, is you're seeing them on Instagram or any of the social media platforms, and they're obviously not dressing. So you want you know from girls to grow up with a positive image and continuing on that point if they're being dressed sneezily seemingly well at that point they're doing everything they're supposed to do and they don't have to do anything more than that if they're dressing sneezily then if a man looks at them and you know has improper thoughts that's on the man the man has to protect himself if the woman's dressing sneezily and not provocatively that should be enough um so that would be the fourth argument and the last one is that at least in certain communities where women are commonly you know they're in public um, they're, they're speaking at schools. It's not like they're hidden. So to then go ahead and take them out of the newspaper seems to be kind of arbitrary. Yeah. And like uh, why there? Exactly. So we're going to address all of these things, perhaps give you a rational way to look at this, perhaps a reasonable way to look at this, look at the way the, mis- the, uh, from publications are deciding to run and why they're making the decisions. And then you can make your up your own mind as to which way is, uh, seems like a better way to run a from society. I uh, just want to say that this episode has kindly been sponsored by our friends at NOS, uh, nitrous-infused energy drinks. You can find it at your local 7-Eleven. Without them, we'd still be asleep. <sighs> I made a brothel before the show. Okay, so let's get this teed off. So how do, how do you want to do this? How would you like to go through this? Uh, so I want to start out with the claim, because this seems to be the easiest to argue against, which would be that it's degrading to men. <clears throat> making them out to be these, uh, you know, kind of creatures who are uh, of, of one mind, single track minded. So the argument goes as follows, that if we are going to enforce this, right, and then it's reinforcing the idea within men that even a picture, just the headshot of a woman who's, who's sneeze, she's not wearing anything provocative, 
just the headshot of a woman is going to make you uncomfortable enough that you can't even look at it, that seems to be a little beyond the pale because now you're creating this situation where the mere image of a woman is is wrong. Right, and it's a kind of a two-part argument, actually. First part is that men are not, on average, going to be affected by such a thing. Right. And the second one is, by making it usser, by making it forbidden, it actually will increase the chance of it becoming a a object of of isser. In other words, if I'm allowed to look at women's pictures, there's not going to be an issue because we see women all the time and there's no issue. This is the argument. But if I make it usser, then all of a sudden the picture in my mind will be associated with the actual, you know, with the actual act and I'll start I'll start putting the two together and that'll actually increase the problem of the lustfulness of men. To sum up, here's a quote from Reb Moshe Lichtenstein. Therefore, stringent psak in this matter diminishes man's character and minimizes the image of the divine within him. The Telemolkin. In this sense, out-of-place stringency in the laws of, in this case, Kalisha, but he's talking about any laws of, of between man and woman, based on far-reaching concern for, for lustful thoughts is not an ordinary halachic stringency and enhancement, but rather a leniency and disparagement regarding the nature of man. In, in other words, being too strict in matters of, of lustfulness and matters between man and woman actually turns is a is a disparagement of the nature of man. So so we want to look, is that a tire value, right? So first off the bat, the first claim that people are making when they say put the woman's face in the magazine is taking any chumrah is going to be a problem, when you're, especially when it's wild, because you're creating a problem within men. Um, it's disparaging regarding the nature of men. And perhaps there's even a better quote from a Noam Stadlin, who's also we found on a website as one of their art scholarly articles defending the idea of putting women's pictures in magazines, is that those who are trying to eliminate women are making sneas and the avoidance of illicit thoughts into a god and ignoring the god who not only did not command this access, but command them to be decent people and not harm others. So the argument being made is that by going extra stringent beyond where Halacha tells you in the area of lustfulness is not what Hashem wants, and it's actually harmful to women, and it's going against the idea to not be harmful to and be decent people and not be harmful to women. So before we get into the Torah sources as to this question, and the question again is basically is this. Do men start out completely lustful and Tyra wants them to curb it as much as possible? Or is it like they're saying that man's kind of neutral and depending on, on how you act, you could either make them more of a problem or less of a problem? Or does Tyra say, no, in this area, you should avoid it at all costs because this is pretty much the biggest drive within humanity and especially men. So before we do that, though, I just want to build a profile based on scientific studies of the difference between how men and women relate to this area. By this area, I mean relations between men and women. How they view love differently and how they view visuals differently and why maybe looking at a picture of a woman would be so much more problematic for a man than a woman looking at a picture of a man. I think this is also a big reason, and as we go through this, it'll become more evident. When I'm having conversations with women about this topic and people are asking me, why is it that the firm community... It's usually women who don't get it. Because what's so bad about a picture? What possibly could happen? So I think after we go through the studies, we're going to see why a woman would not intuit a picture is bad and why a man would obviously intuit that a picture is terrible. Like a woman says, okay, I understand if it's a nude lady, but a fully dressed woman? Like how could that possibly? Like how, how lustful are you? Well, we're about to see how lustful men can get by nature. So these statistics... Um, come from mostly from a book called Brain Sex. That's the name of the book. It talks about the difference between men and women. Um, it is a bit of an older book, so it's a book from the 90s, but all the studies have corroborated as we go through. I have a very recent book called Human Diversity, which was put out in 2020, and all the studies show the exact same thing. It's just very nicely formatted in the book Brain Sex, therefore that's the one we're going to quote from. Uh, we also have more uh, other studies we're going to quote, which are more recent. So let's go through it. So first, a funny quote provided by Mati. Well, it's not my quote, but uh, William James is a famous philosopher. So he uh, he was under the influence of nitrous nitrous oxide, and he uh, he, he made it, it's a little poem almost. Hygamous, hygamous, men are polygamous. Hygamous, hagamous, 
Women are monogamous. Yes, you rhymed that well. So basically... I had to get that hogamous to rhyme with monogamous. (laughs) So basically, what he's saying is men like a lot of women. Women like one man. And the the, the biology of men and women um, nicely accounts for this, as women can only become pregnant one at a time, while men can impregnate as many women as they want at a time. And assuming it's a base human desire to procreate and spread one's DNA especially if one subscribes to more of an evolutionary um, explanation of how the world uh, became formed, then certainly this would be the case, that there's a big motivation for men to spread their seed, impregnate as much woman as possible, and therefore have as much progeny as possible. A woman doesn't have that option because, again, as we said, a woman can only get pregnant one at a time. This is perhaps why Hashem created them to be much more into relationship and men way more into casual relations not relationship and again this makes a lot of sense because a if a woman whose let's say primal instinct is child rearing it is very important that she has a loyal man who can give her all that attention a man who doesn't generally raise children because he's not the one nursing and he's not the one raising them so then for him he can spread his seed as far as possible. That's just an evolutionary explanation, biological explanation for the difference. But the difference is clearly attested to in the studies. Not only that, the Torah seems to have that difference. Because as we all know, a man could technically get married to more than one woman. A woman cannot get married to more than one man. So that's one basic difference. So now let's go through the studies. So connected to that is also the, the visual stimuli, right? So men respond to visual stimuli a lot more than women do. And uh, the studies on that are kind of easy to find because, especially nowadays, we have websites specifically dedicated to visual stimuli, and they can track the amount of male versus female users. And there, as anyone who knows anything about men and women can predict, the men are way more likely to be watching this kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, so let me let me run through a couple of statistics really quickly. Um, this does not reflect well on our gender, guys. So buckle up. Uh, the percentage of men who have ever watched adult material is 98%. And as the common joke goes, the other 2% are lying. So that leaves us with 100% of males. So now you might say, hey, wait a minute, but I looked at the statistics for females and 80% have watched. Yes, it's true. That's ever have watched adult material because, again, the average person's curious. They want to see what it is. But let's now go to multiple times a week. So they've done statistics for how many men watch multiple times a week. And there the split gets crazy. It's 70 out of 100 men watch multiple times a week. Versus only 15 out of 100 women watch. Not only that, the type of material they're watching is vastly different. While women focus more on videos that portray relationships and intimacy, men are more likely to focus on videos that have graphic imaging of only the woman and close-ups and imaging that in general a woman would find disgusting. There's a Toshmish magazine called Viva which actually dropped their uh, the centerfold page. I'm not going to go into that, but those who know, know. They dropped it because the women were just not interested in right, seeing so that. Right, so it's a magazine made for women to look at, and they used to have a centerfold of a male who was without clothing, and they... I said I'm not going into this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going into this. It's important. They, sur- they surveyed their readers, and their readers said, look, we don't really have any interest in nudes. Um, obviously, this is in stark contrast. The magazine is designed for men that if they took out the inappropriately clad women or non-clad women, people wouldn't buy those magazines. They're not buying them for the articles or the journalists, I can tell you that much. Men who were casually dating were 42 times more likely to view adult videos weekly than were women who were casually dating. And I think it's obvious. is because for men, looking at women and having lustful thoughts and pleasures from women has nothing to do with relationship. That's why even though they're dating... It doesn't stop them from going online and still looking at other women. It's not because they don't love their wife or their casual dating partner. It's because this is how men relate to the whole act as opposed to women. That's why women generally don't watch. Dennis Prager had a nice line where he said that men use relations to have Tashmish to have relations. Well, what? I can't use <laughs> that relations. That was tough to say. <laughs> I can't use relations. For men both. use relationship for, 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 for relations. Women use relations for relationship. Yeah. They're selling relations to get you to have a relationship. Men are selling relationship for relations. This is obvious. I, again, I used to be less religious. Um, my co-hosts used to be less religious. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, we, we used to be involved. I'm as religious as I always was. <laughs> we used to be involved in the bar scenes, and this was the whole game. 
the woman would pretend she's interested in being with you so that hopefully she can entrap you for a long-term relationship. The men would pretend they're interested in a long-term relationship, hoping they can entrap you for a night and then leave you. This is just the way men versus women work, which is why we're going to see how beautiful the entire system is set to protect the woman. Because again, the only person losing when things get promiscuous is the woman. The man is absolutely fine with his whole genre. Right. Another, I think the last important uh, source to point out is that an American questionnaire they surveyed as to how easy it was to get excited. And men were obviously much quicker and much easier to get excited than women were. Um, You know, little things can turn off the entire mood for a woman, while for a man it's like, you know, if my body's ready, everything's ready. This is from another study, uh, and there's a quote from the summary. There seems to be no question that the human male would be more promiscuous in his choice of partners throughout the whole of his life if there were no social restrictions or, in the from case, halachic restrictions. The human female is much less interested in a variety of partners. That's the contrast with the lion female, who is very interested in a lot of partners. (laughs) Um, And again, this is the last thing that I think I want to bring up from the studies, which was a common complaint we saw on the website Women of Faces 2, is that you're turning women into objects. You're turning them into objects for pleasure. Well, this study shows that this is how men naturally view women as objects. And women have been complaining of this. It seems for, like, yeah, forever. For, forever. <laughs> women rightly complain that men see them as objects. Rightly, because to men, relations is largely a matter of objective things and actions. As we said, they're not interested in relationship as much as relations. Their whole world, ever since infancy, studies show, has been a world of things. It's very interesting. With babies, they show that uh, female babies are much more a- attracted, so to speak, to faces, to their mother, to their father, while a baby boy could be... Um, entertained with toys and objects a lot more and that this stays throughout in their business choices throughout their whole life men are more interested in things while women are more interested in people and social skills and this shows up across countries across nationalities this is just seems to be a biological difference between men and women now this last quote and then we're done is that relations for men is vastly impersonal inappropriate videos is simply meat for men do they ever wonder who that naked lady is not for a moment They wonder what they would do to her. So again, I'm sorry for a bit of the graphic quotes, but the point we're trying to push across is that the studies, the scientific studies, biology shows that men and women relate to this incredibly differently, which is perhaps why women cannot intuit what is so harmful about a picture. Why do you have such a hard time going to the beach? Why do you have such a hard time with lustful thoughts? So now we're going to go to Chazal and see, did they pick up on this biological reality, this biological difference? So we're going to be going to a chinach, it's Sefer Chenech, Mitzvah Kuf Peches, which is 188. To summarize, the Chenech basically goes through all the different derabanans regarding relations between man and woman, all the things you can't do. The Isser of touching, the Isser of, of staring, the Isser of Yichud, all these things. And it explains that the reason Chazal were so mocked about this, and the reason they had so many different laws, and the reason you have to be so careful about it is because it's such a strong desire of men. Now, if you remember, the laws yeah. go one way. All these laws are on men. There is no halacha that a woman can't steer at a man. Right. He brings up he brings up an example of a certain um, a certain one of the great rabbis who refused to have to be in yichud to be uh, secluded with his niece, even though technically it's allowed. He refused because no, sorry, not his niece, his daughter, daughter, yeah, his daughter. daughter, because he said because it's hard for me. And they say he did it just to teach his students that if something's difficult for you, you have to go beyond. And that's the Chinnis point, is that if it's difficult for you, these are the things you have to keep. The Durabanans you have to keep. But if it's difficult for you in any other area, then you have to go beyond. Now, is it a good thing? Is it a good thing to go beyond? So the Rambam in Hilchas Yisurabiyah, he says that yes, in this matter, because it's such a strong taiva and it's so difficult for people to separate themselves from Arias and Biasasuras from these from these forbidden relationships, so therefore, it's proper for a person, in order to stop himself, to, uh, to what's it called, to act with kedusha yaser, with an extra level of separateness or of holiness. So that that right 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 away diffuses the argument uh, from JewishWomenAtFaces.com, where the argument goes that oh, you shouldn't do anything more than Allah because you're infringing, you're hurting people. So to not to do more than Hashem specifically prescribed is like an insult to Hashem. You're making a god out of illicit thoughts. It seems clearly from the sources that no, this is one area where there is no end limit. Anytime you think there might be lost lustful thoughts, you have 
a requirement to hold back. We also have a Gemara in Sukkot. This is one of the more famous Gemaras, but it says there's a small uh, limb on man, relatively small compared to the other limbs, um, that if you starve it, it gets satiated. But if you feed it, it gets hungry. And that's, again, talking about the male organ, that the more you stay away from it, the less of a problem it becomes. The more you give it credence, the more of a problem it becomes. There's also a Gemara in Makos, which says that that Arias is something that men desire so much that if somebody manages to stay away from it, he gets a tremendous chus. Because again, it seems like the Chazal are recognizing that this is something men are born with. It is just an inherent desire of one of the strongest desires that men have. Yeah, the Medrash explains that when the Jews got the laws of Arias, when they realized what they couldn't do with women, they all started crying. It was the one mitzvah, the one the one iser that they all started crying for. And it's understandable. You know, I would also start crying if I realized that all these things I was able to do, I'm now not able to do. Now, it goes beyond that because the Gemara even explains that people become dishonest, intellectually dishonest with themselves when it comes to matters of Arias. The Mishnah in Chagiga explains that you're not allowed to teach Arias in front of two people, three people, excuse me. Because while one is listening to the rabbi, the other two will be schmoozing. They'll be talking. And then at the end of the shir, they'll be like, oh, gosh, did he mater or did he aser? And they'll be like, oh, I think he matered it because of this. It was allowed. I'm allowed to do this. With the rise specifically, they're going to be intellectually dishonest with themselves and mater things that they weren't allowed to do. Now, I don't have the studies on this, you know, because obviously no studies have been done. But just in my personal experience, and I think Mati can tell you the same thing, every kid that fried out in yeshiva, um, including me, was always because they wanted to ha- go with girls. There, there was no other reason. I mean, all they of us, would, like, They believed. would never admit it. Right. Well, no, well, yeah, I'm saying sometimes they would never admit it. But, like, it was always like, oh, I don't believe in Hashem. Next stop, girls. It, I mean, it's always like... So it seems to me this is such a driving power force within the male world and mind that... there's And the Torah clearly says that if that's the case, something has to be done, even extreme measures, in order to stop it. Yeah. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin. Um, which actually says this. It says, even though the, the Jews knew that Avaidazar was nothing, they knew that obviously Hashem had done miracles for them, they knew Hashem was real and Avaidazar was nothing, they served Avaidazar, why? In order to justify Lahater Lahem Arias, perhaps, in order to Mater Arias, in order to allow them to do uh, sinful, lustful things, they decided to do Avaidazar just in order to, to, for themselves, to explain why they're doing it, which very nicely correlates with anybody who has a, you know, people who fry out. One of the first things they do is they either have a girlfriend. Uh, they want a girlfriend. They want to justify the fact that they have a girlfriend. Um, actually, there was a the kid in my yeshiva. was very funny. Very, very smart kid. One, of, you know, Really, really smart kid. Um, and he was he would go in and talk with this girl. And I told him, you know, why... Like, he would speak like philosophy with her. And I was trying to tell him, like, she's not a good... She's not philosophical. She's not smart. Like, why are you speaking with her? She's like, no... She's she's great and it's it's completely appropriate. There's not a there's not nothing. There's no improper thoughts. It's just it's purely lashma. It's purely to get these philosophical ideas out. And I was like, I'm telling you, you're gonna see. In literally a week and a half, he he came. He admitted that they were having very improper things, and he said he needed help. He wanted to stop it. Went to the Rashiva. We stopped it. And as soon as he stopped having the inappropriate things with her. <laughs> He, he, he came to me and he's like, she's an absolute moron. She doesn't know a thing about <laughs> philosophy. So that's the kind of thing that happens with, with this. And the Gemara explains that this is something that, that we're born with. It's not like we start out good and then these things happen. Yetzer Adam Ra Minurov. Right. From a kid, we're already... We start out. We start out lustful. And again, it's not necessarily bad. It's part of the male energies and they could be used for a good purpose. And we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But it is the, the case that men are tremendously more lustful than women. And I know we're overloading with sources, but this, this one was just it's too good to, to not okay. give. It's a Gemara in Sukkah also, which explains that in the future, after the Yitzhahara gets shechted, after we lose our, our Yitzhahara, our evil inclination, at its Leviah, at its at its funeral, which is generally a somber time, it's sad, you know, you're not so excited, and the Yitzhahara is the one that just got shechted, still they're going to have mechitzas up. Why? Because the person is still going to have this Taivas Nashim. So it's, it's so ingrained in the male anatomy in the male's male psychology that Chazal picked up on immediately and said, separate yourself from this. I mean, again, and it seems like we're painting male as like an animal. And in a sense, in this sense, he is. In this sense, it is very, very difficult for the man. That's why they have so many restrictions. You know, people complain like, oh, why do women have so much restrictions on Tznias? It's like, you try having a male mind and then being usher to have lustful thoughts and then tell me anything in Yiddishkeit is difficult. I mean, this is the most difficult avoda that a man has to do. I think the Gemara says not a day goes by where a person, where a man doesn't uh, 
trip up in this. And, yeah. L- and Lush and Hara. <laughs> those are the two. <laughs> Talking about Lush and Hara. Now, someone might say, well, wait a minute. All those studies were showing inappropriate videos. And I granted men are particularly lustful when it comes to women without clothing or very inappropriately dressed. But really, a face in a magazine, a sneeze woman in a magazine, does that really turn you guys on? Is that really a problem? Well, let me tell you something about... I'll tell you um, what turns me on. The Hey Like a Tire turns me on. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, let me show you a, a little bit of a personal anecdote. Again, it's an anecdote, but I think anybody who's had any male friends and ever had a period where they were less from could relate to this. We, I, I went to co-ed school for a year. We had a yearbook. So there were the girls in the yearbook and the boys in the yearbook. The girls, it was just a headshot, right? It's a yearbook. It's a, it was a you know religious school, so it wasn't like provocative photos. It was just a headshot. And every man in that class, had an independent rating system of all the pictures of the girls in the yearbook, and we compared, we contrasted, we argued over the numbers, and this is not a unique experience. When I used to play baseball in high school, again, when I was not from, I used to play with non-Jewish kids, and these kids were off the chain. I mean, you, they would look at a mountain and somehow turn that into an inappropriate image. Every girl that walked by, there was hoops, there was hollering, there was everything was going on, so... It's very naive to think that a face of a woman, if it's an attractive woman, is not going to get the guys going. And I'll tell you something funny. So I was listening to the share. I'm not going to say who the rabbi was, but he said, well, because it was during the time when Mishbach magazine wiped out Hillary Clinton from the, uh, I don't know, I think it was maybe it was the uh, Ted or Hamadia, one of the magazines um, or newspapers wiped out Hillary Clinton was when they killed Osama bin Laden. So they had the, the war room and Hillary Clinton's was there, but without a what, face. What was she doing there? She should have been in the kitchen. <laughs> She was cooking up a murder, uh, serving some justice. Osama <laughs> <laughs> bin Laden sandwich. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> we always take him one step too far. Um, no, so they, they, blurred, they, they blurred her out, and it was a big controversy. And then one of the rabbis who was speaking about it, and he was like a pro-woman's faces in magazines. He was featured heavily on JewishWomanFaces.com. Um, so he said, it's too much woman faces. In that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he said, uh, he said, I don't understand anybody who looks at Hillary Clinton and finds her attractive and has a problem with that. You know, he has a problem. He's perverted. And I was just like, wait a minute. When you saw the picture of Hillary Clinton, your brain made a calculation. Is that attractive or not? That's not a kosher calculation to make. Right. That means when you're looking at that picture, you're already rating her just because your rating ended up a two. <laughs> And then you told her, oh, you're perverted. If you... It's like, what do you mean? You're perverted. You looked at her that way, and then you rated her as two. Right. So, you, so you see the problem is that even when they're unattractive, like, that's what you're thinking. Oh, unattractive lady. And, no problem. And just, we're going to get into this a little bit later. But he concluded the share saying, like, I, we, you know, I think that for our communities, definitely it seems to be okay, as long as they're not particularly attractive. And I was like, wow. So if you get into the magazine, I'm a woman, I get into the magazine, I'm like, well, okay, right. You know, this, <laughs> this rabbi doesn't think I'm attractive. Yeah. I'm, okay. not a, I'm not a hear her problem. Entirely. <laughs> right. Like, who's making that calculation? Like, nope. Nope. Oh, oh gosh. No, I can't put that one in. <laughs> that one goes to the personal pocket. I was like, what, what's going on with that? Like, who's going to make that decision? Right. I remember there's some football, wasn't there some football team who got like in big trouble for rating the soccer team? It was at team? Harvard. No, it was the, it was the no, it was the Harvard this, male soccer team. They rated, they rated the, the entire female soccer team. It's like, who would do this? Yeah, it's it like shocking. every male ever. Right. <laughs> if you don't have a lacha, that's what we're going to speak about, how Tyra is really trying to fix this problem. And again, it's not It's not like, oh, why are we, why are we trying to protect men? We're trying to stop men. You're literally hindering every aspect of a male's natural personality, and the Tyra does it for a reason, to protect women, to protect marriage, to protect productivity. Um, and then women turn that around and go like, oh, oh, what are we the problem? No, you're not the problem. The male's the problem. And it's natural. It's biological. So, but I just want to talk about one one aspect before we get into like the sources of, of how bad it is for men to see a woman. Because again, you can say like, well, we're not ogling. You know, that's a that's a, co- a big word. We're not ogling or ogling. I don't even know how to say that word. I've only seen it in text. O- ogling. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the woman in these magazines. Not like, you know, you flip a page. So what if you see it? So the woman will look. The male just don't look. Flip the page. You glance at it. Okay, no big deal. Who says the image is such a problem? So now, first of all, if it's attractive, you might put a stumbling block. The guy might look and he might look again. You know, especially if, you know, Whatever. Especially if the girl in the magazine is with the makeup and the nice shaitel, you know, it, it, it might cause some men to look intently. But even if you only look glancingly, it's not so clear it's not a problem. Halachically, we won't get into the halachas because there are ways to find a hetero that there's no halachic problem of even looking 
as long as you're not having lustful thoughts at a woman in a magazine. Because it's usher to look at a live woman even if you don't have lustful thoughts. But some people say that it only applies to live women. It doesn't apply to a picture. A picture and looking doesn't a different glance, category. Like... And, and there's a machlaikas. What looking means, yeah. it, there's, the shitas range anywhere from glancing to looking for lustful purposes or maybe just looking to see what she looks like. So there's a whole range. So there's certainly ways you can find halachic heterim to, to, that you wouldn't run a problem at glancing at a woman in a magazine as you're flipping through pages, even to look like what she looks like. Right. But that doesn't mean ashkafically you're not running into problems. That's why I want to go look at the ashkafa of Chazal, especially understanding how men are biologically wired to be to have these problems. We want to look at what the sources are saying, the how men should operate in their lives to avoid this problem. So here's an interesting source that I found. So Misha, so obviously, <laughs> okay, I, I didn't find it. Avi <laughs> found it. I'm the source guy. Um, so basically, you know, obviously you're not, you know, what type of interaction you're having with women in the yeshivish community. So I, the, the number one interaction or Misha could think about is a Rav who has to answer a question from a woman. So he says, <coughs> absolutely, you should not be looking at her. You should be looking down. You cannot look at her while answering this question. And he says, when you're walking in the street, and this is from the Gemara, when you're walking in the street, you're supposed to be looking down. As much as possible, you should look down. Without crashing into walls. In order, right, as long as you're not going right, to be crashing in. Uh, Levy, my, my brother, is telling us that he has a friend who had a terrible prescription. A terrible, a great prescription? I don't know. He had terrible eyesight. And he would, whenever he went out in public, he would take off his glasses. So he couldn't see anything. Which was, uh, I thought, an interesting little Approach. tidbit. But um, either way, yeah, so it says that you, sh- you should be looking down. Dagger's much is no radical. And he just says, like, yeah, of course a person is required to try to avoid looking around so he doesn't happen to see a woman. Right, and not just happen to see a woman. He says, because if you see a woman, you might come to get some hana. So he's not saying that anytime you see a woman, you're going to get hana, and that's not what we're saying either. It's not like, you know, maybe if you see, you know, a certain 80-year-old rabbit, and you're not going to get hana. I hope you don't get hana. But where's the line, and is it possible you get hana? Not from the 80-year-old woman, hopefully not, but, uh, you know, in, in general, you could get hana. It's very likely, in fact, and that's why you're required to try to avoid your eyes. There's a Gemara Nadarim which says you shouldn't speak, you shouldn't have too much interactions with a woman because if you have too much interactions, you're going to come to do a disgusting thing. Then Rav Acha says anybody who looks at women is going to come to do an Avera. Now, looks doesn't mean the Isser Stalkless, the Isser of looking at women. This is an Ashkafic thing. The Taisus Yishana means, right, says, yeah. that this means. Even if you don't do actual histachlos, even if you actually don't look, even if it's an unmarried lady, you're going to come to an Avera, just putting your eyes on them. Because since you're so, um, you're so uh, uh, in, in, invested and so obsessed with women, it's going to be a problem and you're going to come to be nichshal. Now, back in those days, it's only possible to be nichshal because they didn't have cameras or anything, so the only type of nichshal, the only type of falling into a trap would actually be to go interact with the woman. In our world, it's very easy. You're just one click away from more pleasure and more lustfulness, so it's so it's actually more harmful nowadays. And actually, I saw one rabbi pointed out that a picture, you're able to look as much as you want. In the street, you know, you want to look at the married woman, you want to look at that woman, but it's it's even, like, forget halakhically, it's socially a little bit, it's unacceptable, you can't get caught staring. With a picture, you can look as much as you want, so in that sense, still, obviously, a picture is not the same as a real thing, but in, in that sense, it's actually a little bit easier to do the gazing. And a little more dangerous. Gazing part. Now, we mentioned mentioned the 80-year-old uh, Rabbitson as a, a bit of a joke, but the Gemara and Vaitazar does say that Minishmart to be called Davara means you shouldn't look at if a married woman, even if she's ugly. Now, for those who want to say that you're looking with intent to get hana, an ugly woman, it doesn't seem to be like you're looking at the ugly woman. Right, especially since beauty is subjective, so it wouldn't be an ugly woman if you're having hana from her. Right, 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 right. So when it says ugly, it must be subjectively ugly, and yet it's still saying you're not supposed to be looking. Right, we also saw the marshal in Yamsha Shlomo says that, that even though halachically, only when you actually look to have hana, it's a problem, he says anybody who averts their eyes from woman is it will be blessed because that's any year Shemaim should do such a thing. There's also a very, very interesting Mishnah, which just goes to speak about how powerful visual stimuli and how dangerous it is for the man. The Gemara, it's a Mishnah in Zavim, okay, in Parak Bay's Mishnah Bay's. And the Mishnah basically goes as follows. There are certain types of emissions that are can be linked to a certain type of Tuma. I'm just giving you a very basic overview. But sometimes those emissions could also just be a seminal emission, a shech vazara, spilling seed. Um, and depending on if it's spilling seed or if there's other type of emission, depends if you're that type of tumor or just you saw carry, you saw, you had a seminal emission. Leaving out an important source would be a seminal emission. 
There's a joke there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Seminal doesn't mean something else. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, to stay on this word too long. Um. So the 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 Mishnah says that if you had a Mara, or or Machshava. If you had a Mara or Machshava, you could assume it's a seminal mission. The parish Mishnah explains what are those two things. So Machshava means you thought about a lady even without seeing her ever. You just thought about a lady. Then if late that night you have an omission, we assume that was a seminal omission. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. If you just see a lady and have no thoughts about her, but she happens to be a lady you would have liked, a beautiful lady, then if you have an omission later on, we assume it's a seminal omission because of that one-time glance that you didn't even think about. So you did a superstar job. You saw her and you didn't think. And yet when you have an omission later on, we say, oh, that was because of that. So when you're flipping through the magazine and you see a beautiful lady, even if you control yourself, ah, not going to think, bam, next picture. You have an omission later on, we're going to assume it's because of that. So that's so powerful how that works with the male that visual stimuli just gets him going, and that's why Allah is so careful about it. That's why the Ramayusha says, when you're getting a, a Lachic Shiloh from a woman you're of, try to not meet her eyes. Try to look somewhere. Don't make it awkward, obviously, but try to not look at her too much because yeah. it could be think, very uh, problematic. I think Ruffles' teacher, in uh, eighth grade teacher, used to teach with like a hand over his eyes, like looking down at the desk. In order not to be looking, and a lot of people would make fun of it because they don't understand what the Tarashkov is. So now we've we've gone through basically the first two uh, complaints, which is first that men are actually naturally lustful and are naturally terrible, and it goes to the point where even if it's not directly, one would not think that it's directly linked to um, you know to lust, even just a picture. We've seen that the Tarashkov is that men do take that and make that connection. Um, I'd say that that. Woman being objectified is not like an act. It is the status quo for men that if there's a woman there, they are viewed in terms of do I want her? Do I not want her? And Allah is trying, how much do I want her? And Allah is trying to unobjectify woman. Allah is trying to subjectify woman. Allah is trying to make sure that we understand that women are humans and therefore we should not let our our nasty side of being a male get in the way of our interaction with women. So another illustration of how this idea that man starts out lustful and Allah is trying to curb it. Um, actually comes from one of their points, which actually proved against him. So the rabbi on this site said, well, let's, like, if you if you make even the vision of woman a problem, then it's actually going to be a problem. You're going to create a desire within man by not allowing them to look at it. Well, so, he, he was saying a possibility. He wasn't. Yeah, it's possible. Okay. And what was his example? He said, so in the laws of Nido, uh, the separation between a man and his and his wife, so there are certain harchakas, um let's call it uh, stringency, stringencies that you shouldn't do because it might cause things to develop. And they seem to be very, very mild. So one of them is you can't hand anything to your wife during this period because that might cause some electricity. So he said, I understand. Before this halacha, you, you never thought handing something over was, was you know, intimate and romantic. You said, okay, I'm handing something to my wife. Here, make me a sandwich. Here's my plate. You know, you never thought that that was romantic. But then... All of a sudden, after the two weeks of Nida, the first time you hand something to her, it's like electric. Oh, it's so true. It's electric because you haven't done it in so long. So you want to second guessing yourself, like, can I hand it, can I <laughs> yeah. not hand it? So, so, so he's saying, you see, the fact that they were stringent in the Laha makes us more excited. So if we're stringent by the woman, may, by the woman's face in the magazine, maybe that's going to make us more excited. The truth is the opposite, though. Because if that were the case, then why did the Rabbanan ever ostrich in the first place. They're trying to create more electricity. Why, why they're trying, right, they're trying to make more problems between husband and wife. The reason why they said it's ostrich during the time period is because they understood that it's always romantic. Now, it could be you're used to a base level of romance, but the act of handing something over to a woman can be romantic. That's why the tire ostrich did. Yeah, well, just it could out, you, you, are a lot of, you are a lot of hand things to a random woman. So it's not like it's so romantic but the fact that they ostered it by Nita shows that there is that it is a let's say it's the a stepping stone or it's the the beginning of the slide what's it called the slide the slide? Slipping, slippery slope yeah, slippery, the slippery slope. slope towards uh worse actions towards the now, bedroom. i've always had this argument also with with non-religious kids where they would say like oh hugging's nothing well what, hugging's romantic i hug all all my friends who are girls we just we hug and nothing comes of it and it's like it's like uh, only you because you don't do it so when you hug it, it's really romantic the tire calls hugging is a if it's a derisa prohibition or at least a derban prohibition of closeness between man and woman. And the only reason why non-religious men who do it all the time are not as affected by it is because their base level of romance is so high. They're already at a level of just romantic 
that they don't feel it anymore. Right, but same, if you sit and watch uh, right, Naked Woman all, all day, it also won't affect you anymore. That doesn't. It just means you're so past the moral limit that it just doesn't make yeah. an impact. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Hugh Hefner had a had a different level of of what was considered inappropriate for him. Also, right. But that doesn't mean that it's not inappropriate. It just means you're just so steeped in inappropriate that you don't even realize it anymore. It's like serial killers also don't feel bad. Or the first mor- murder always feels way worse than the second one. I can, that, I can testify yeah. to that. <laughs> I'm saying, it doesn't mean, obviously. By the third one, it's fine. <laughs> it doesn't mean that murder's not a terrible thing just because the person doesn't have that reaction after the eighth time. It just means he's now so evil that he's just living at a constant level of evilness. The okay. guy who's hugging girls all day is just living at a constant level of lustfulness that so, Tyra doesn't want you to have. I think we've demonstrated that it's a issue for the man or at least in our opinion it is now the next question which is a very important one because you know this is this is what we're doing here is okay so it's an issue for the man but what is the woman's obligation of protecting the man can't the woman just beat sneas follow her halacha so to speak and then the man should follow his so if looking at her is going to cause you a problem so don't look does the woman what is the chiv on the woman what is the obligation on the woman to protect the man that's one aspect another aspect is is being in public inherently problematic for women? Maybe that's against the Tarish Kaffa cologne. Right now, we're just talking about the men's side. Men looking at women is against Tarish Kaffa. Men being careful is pro Tarish Kaffa. What about the woman's side? Is there any problem with a woman being out there? Is there any problem with the woman making herself an image in a magazine? Maybe yes, yes maybe no. <laughs> Though Jewish Woman at Faces.com would say, obviously not. Why not? We, As one lady pointed out, Sneas doesn't mean invisible, Sneas doesn't mean hidden for men. Sneas means dressing appropriately and making sure you're not a catch. They, again, I think this is a basic understanding because every woman out there is an, is a trap for men. Men like women in whatever shape, size, dress they come in. That's why men have been into women no matter how they dress throughout history. So there is a concept in Tarot, which is actually a Pusik in Tehillim, which goes as follows. Kvaida basmelech penima. The honor of the princess is inside. The princess is not a show. She's not out there for viewing pleasure. She's secret. She's hidden. She's inner. And she's in the castle. Now, right off the bat, this sounds something terrible. It sounds misogynistic. Woman can't go outside. Right? That's your first reaction. Keep the woman in the house. Can't be outside. Can't be mixing in with a... You know, that was the redneck voice. Um, <laughs> That's a terrible redneck voice. You don't even know what a redneck sounds like. Stay in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. That was a black redneck. <laughs> Are you Thomas Sowell? <laughs> um, no. So so the point is that we're going to try to explain to you why is actually the greatest compliment that the terror can give woman, and it's the greatest protection that the terror can give woman. And it's for such a strong purpose. We're going to talk a little bit about how the laws of Tznias for man and the laws of Tznias for woman and the restrictions they put on man and the restrictions they put on woman is not one-sided. In fact, if anything, it's way more restrictive on the man and it's way more positive for the woman because the man only has pain from this because taking away his pleasure. This, All these things will actually increase the woman's um, pleasure in this world because again when you go with the breakdown we go scientifically the men are into relations women are into relationship this idea of helps ensure the woman's relationship is maximized so let's go to the first source which is uh it's an orchaim okay in vayikra and it says that when a person is daughters in shaduch and i think this is just a basic point he shouldn't profane her by showing her off saying look how beautiful my daughter is she should be married. Wouldn't you want to marry her? Why? Because even though you're doing it so that people, so she can get a nice husband, you're causing her to be a stumbling block for men. You're causing her to be an object. Not because by putting her out, that's inherently an object. It's that men inherently objectify women. So by you putting her out, you're like, selling your daughter you're profaning your daughter by putting her out there so any disgusting man can put her eyes on her objectify her strip her of her humanity and use her as a pleasure tool for himself yeah the rambam in isha's your gimel so he says that it's a ganai to a woman that she goes out if she goes out too much he says she can only go out when when it's necessary to go out and he says a very interesting thing he says it's the beauty of a woman is to be inside of because of kalkified masmalknima and i think it's very interesting because when men objectify women that strips the humanity off woman and it turns her into an ugly object. 
it turns her into something disgusting. It turns her into a something that no woman wants to be. No woman wants to be the object. Part of the reason why women, well, I don't want to get into that, but the, the concept of rape is that the woman is turned into a complete object. But it's a similar concept when they're being stared at. Now, when does a man really feel a love for a woman? When does he feel the most love for his wife? Is not when she's an object. It's when she's when she's building up his house, when she's raising his kids, when she's doing things to better his his spiritual growth. It's not when she's an object. It's when she's a beautiful when she's a beautiful person. When a woman is expressing her beauty to a man, is not when the man turns her into an object. It's when he turns her into a partner, a partner, and something that she can help in in her growth, his growth, the house's growth. I also want to say this: Kolkweisbach Malaprima means the honor of a of a princess is intimacy all precious moments in life are intimate uh, we're naturally disgusted when you see reality tv where they're putting people's marriages in public they're putting people's moments with their kids in public they're putting people's sad moments funerals in public we find that disgusting why because special moments in our life are meant to be private the most special moments of the wedding is the yichud room it's what happens after the wedding when the chas and kala are alone Greatest relationship moments are alone. You can't have a relationship in public. Relationship, by definition, is a private thing. It's an intimate thing. means the woman is special. The woman is private. The woman is not public display. And that's what the idea is. We're concerned about the honor of the woman. And we'll see this in the Bermayim Chaim. It's also in Nagaris Chuva from Rabbein Yona. He says as follows. When a woman goes out and violates Kolkvaitis Balach Pnima and makes herself a scene, she goes outside. If people are going to look at her and objectify her, it's partly her fault. And she's going to be punished for that also. And you go, whoa, blaming the victim, blaming the victim. Yes. In a sense, Tyra blames the victim a little bit. If you're out there trying to be a scene and you get looked at, you're going to be responsible for that. And being a scene means going out there to be seen. So now you person could ask at this point, and we're going to see more sources as we go, well, why do women go shopping? In the firm world, women go shopping. They shouldn't be out of the house. So I think there's a crucial difference. The Rama says they can go out when they need to. Nowadays, the need is different. A woman needs to go out. It's very hard to be cooped up in a house. You need to do chores. You need to go out and have fun. You need to have leisurely activities. So maybe the needs of a woman have increased, but I think the philosophy behind this, or a nice way to say it over is, a woman should not become a scene. There's no problem for a man to be a scene. There's a problem for a woman to be a scene. And that's what the Ram means. A woman shouldn't be outside. She shouldn't be visible. She should do what she needs to do, and it could even take place in the public domain. But she should not be visible. Because the visibleness makes her a public display, which is against her honor. Nobody should be looking at a Jewish woman. It's not public property. Now, the biblical example for this idea is Sarah, right? So if you remember, when the Malachim came to visit Avram, they said, we're Sarah, your wife. And the Gemara points out that they wanted to show Avram how Tzniah Sarah was because Sarah was in the tent. They knew what she was, but they wanted to ask, where's Sarah? She's in the tent to show Avram, to make her chaviv on Avram, to make Avram love her because Avram will think she's Tzniah. And Tzniah meant in the tent. Yeah, we have the example with also Dina and Leah, where Dina says Vyatsa Dina that she was uh, she she would go out and that was a, a big negative and she got punished for it tremendously. Um, and they say that she got that quality from her mother. She was a little bit of a, a somebody who goes out. Now, obviously, you have to understand at what level this is, but clearly, it's a negative character. Trait. Like going out for a woman is negative because then she's put on public display. Um, so it, this is actually it's Gemara. This is where Kol in Yivamis, it actually ties in Kol Kvaitesbach Malach Panima with Vayamer Love, Aye Sarah where is Sarah your wife? Now the Ralbag points out, when he goes to their story, he says it's not right for a woman to be outside so that the passerbyers don't look at her. And this helps protect against promiscuity because a woman should be outside of the view of men because men objectify her. Yeah, I think it's so important to point out that this isn't just because, it's not just to save the men. It's to save the woman. The beauty of a woman is to not be objectified. Women become ugly. Men don't like women when they're just objects. They just want them as objects. 
Right. They don't like them. The women are not going to get the relationship aspect. So when you allow men more free reign in the promiscuity, it becomes less less pleasurable for the woman. Because the woman wants relationships. Men are not willing to put in relationships if they can get relations. And you see the rise of promiscuity and the the disaster and the destruction of the nuclear family and the the family unit where women don't have – the man has a kid with the woman – and then leaves, and the woman's stuck with a kid. This happens all the time in the more promiscuous societies. The societies where there's more promiscuity leads to more single motherhood because the man does not care about the family. He just wants the woman as an object, and he doesn't create that bond. And the reason is because the women are not... The beauty of your woman is to not be the object, and that is only achieved through this meat of tzniyas, this meat of kvaitabas malapanima. And this also matches with the studies that say men like things and women like people. We want the woman attitude of liking people, of viewing people as people, not things, to project itself onto the male. And we want to keep the male who looks at things as things to not look at the woman as a thing. The Rebbeinu B'chaya also points this out on that Pasuk. A sneeze woman should sit inside the house, not at the entrance, so that she doesn't become a sight to the passerbyers. Again, we're seeing over and over again this idea that the honor of a woman to be, is in, to be inside. A great example of this is like the Queen of England. You think the Queen of England is out and about all day? It's very rare to see the Queen of England. In fact, it's a big event when you're able to see the Queen of England because precious things are kept out of the eyes of the public. You don't get to look at the Jewish woman. The Jewish woman is so special, it's not public viewing material. And unfortunately, the way men relate to women is as objects. So if you put the woman out there, she's going to be objectified. And that's a problem for women. It's not going to end well for women. It might end well for man, not spiritually, but physically, that's great for a man. Send out all the women. That's why I don't understand the complaint like, oh, we're just protecting the men. No, you're not. We, we want all the women out. Send out all your women. Right. We'd love that. But the tire tells us not. The tire is trying to curb that. So when the woman's complaining, no, no, send me out. Why would you want to be out? Trust you're me. just going to be an object. So clearly looking at this lens, you see why putting a woman's face in a magazine, outside of it being bad for men, we're not talking about that. It's the opposite of Kul Kvajibas Balchpanima. The whole point of a picture in a magazine is to be a sight, to be a vision. We want people looking. That's why it's a picture in a magazine. The graphics is also you look at it. That's totally opposite to Teresa Shkafa. Why are you looking at a woman? Who would volunteer their woman to be out in the public, to become an object? So one common complaint is that we see that they actually did have women in magazines in the the older, in the, you know, in the shtetl days. They'd have yeah. a picture of a Revitz and Rivka. I don't know if that's a real Revitz, but, <laughs> but you know, they'd have they'd have these pictures. So what what would you say to that? I would say as follows: You dress like Revitz and Rivka, and we'll put you up there, black and white, black and white, and <laughs> with, with the no smiles on the yeah, face. I'm saying these weren't posed pictures; they were pictures taken of women, and the women were not objectified. Because they're not dressing themselves up. They're not in all these new makeups that are meant to objectify the woman. They're not in shaitals which are meant to objectify the woman. Yeah, I, w- I would tie it in. The Ram again said, you're allowed to go out if it's a tsar. Right. So I would agree with their, their overall argument that women being in magazines is a positive in terms of, in that aspect. That women could see woman role models. And we could look at a picture of a, of a woman role model and that's a positive thing. I think that could be classified as a tsar. Right, but the question neat. is... The Rama wouldn't agree that you can go out. Oh, it's a tarif to go out, so I'm going to dress up in 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 clothing which is is attractive, you know, attractive clothing that accentuates certain aspects of my figure and heavily dosed in makeup. That's obviously not the correct thing to do. So, okay, let's let's say we said you could have women in magazines as long as they have you know no makeup, they're unattractive, they're perfectly dressed from head to toe, and it's in black and white, and they're not the center of the photo. So that nobody's doing that. The the magazines that allow women. They don't care how attractive the woman is. They don't care what they dress as long as they're halakhically, you know, past the knees, past, right. the, past the elbows. So at that point, the whole thing, yeah, you could. There is a line you could draw. You know, if it, you could draw, you know, if they're 85, uh, super ugly, it's in black and white, and they're perfectly tzniyas. And they're a Rebbitson, so like the Yerushimayim's so on you their have face. That, yeah. And they're clearly not trying to project themselves. But, what, you know, what about an advertisement? You want to advertise women's clothing, so you have a, a, a woman in there. Everybody should agree it's a problem. Right. But you see that in any magazine which allows these women, they also have these advertisements. And they also have attractive women. And they're not going to be making that thing. So that It's kind all of about takes... driving a line. It's all about drawing a line. And again, it's so – how in the world are you going to make a line where only unattractive 80-year-olds can go in the magazine if they're not projecting themselves and not wearing makeup? Like who's making those decisions? And who would agree with that anyways? You think right. that won't make these women upset if you tell them, oh, too much makeup, too pretty, get out? Yeah. Obviously, that would make them upset. So, so I just want to speak one more point is that is – because that, we seem to be disparaging men a lot. 
Um, but it matches the, the male personality. That drive for lustfulness is also their drive for conquering things in general. It's not just conquering women. It's conquering anything, which is productivity. So the, the same thing that makes the male want to conquer a lachik sugya or want to lead a congregation or want to change Yisrael. Invent things. Invent things. All those qualities is the same thing that makes him lustful after woman. Is because he sees things and he wants to take them. He wants to fix them. He wants to improve them. That's the male energy. So yes, it comes out bad in some ways, but it could come out great in other ways. What the Torah does is it realigns it. It says, taking it out in lustful ways is going to be damaging to you. It's going to be damaging to the woman. And it's going to be damaging for relationships. So we're not doing that. We're cutting that off. We're not making the woman objects. We're not making the men lustful. We're cutting that whole genre off. And anybody who thinks that it's harder on the woman than the man, come into my head for a day and see how hard it is to fight thoughts, fight looking, fight everything. It's a constant avaita. It's one of the biggest avaitas that a Jew could have. And it's one of the hardest things to do is to avoid this area. That's why the terror is all over this area. So just the last point, the point was made by this this Rav in this, uh, in this audio that at least in our, he said, at least in our communities where, you know, the women are kind of out, it doesn't seem to be such a problem to have them in the magazines. Now, with a caveat, as long as they're not attractive, and I'm not sure how anybody's going to be enforcing that. But I would say I, I kind of agree with that. I think your entire community, that aspect of your community is flawed. Right, you shouldn't have people outside. You shouldn't have people outside. Yeah, if you're going to have people outside, then at least have positive role models in the magazine. But don't have people outside. Change the entire culture. Right, have like, the rebuttal standing up against it. If in my community all the women dress naked, so I should be putting in magazines women dressing sneezily. No, fix that part and fix this part and have a better culture. So just to go, just we're going to quickly recap their arguments and, and what we kind of answer to them. The first argument, it's degrading to women, makes them feel objectified. It shouldn't be. If they have the proper outlook, it should be the opposite. It should make them feel exactly who they are and the opposite of objectified. Right, they should understand that men are objectifying them. They should understand that, that uh, being outside causes men to objectify them. That doesn't mean they're an object. It means men. That's right. a problem with men. And they should understand that, understand that to be beautiful to men is to be inside. And the terror is trying to protect them from man is trying to reel on man's focus by severely hindering this aspect of his life. Again, women have been pushing to try to not to be objects throughout history. That's the whole Me Too movement. But they don't want to do it on their end. They want to go out to the parties dressed to be an object, just not to be objectified by the wrong guy. Tyra says, you're looking at this wrong. Men, every man's going to objectify you. We love you. We protect you. We honor you. We're going to try to work with the men with their halachas, we're going to try to work with you with your halachas to make sure that you're not causing to be a problem. You're not stepping where you shouldn't be. You're not doing anything to aid in making yourself an object. And we're going to also affect the men. We forgot to mention this, but speaking of makeup, if you look at the origins of the different uh, common makeups that women use, you know, getting the lips more red, adding blush to the face, wearing high heels, all these things, if you look at the source of them, are in order to bring to mind to the man the act of relations. Or to increase, uh, the, uh, accentuate certain aspects which are known to be related to relations. Right. Um, okay. So the next issue was it's degrading to men. We gave that that quote from <laughs> Reb Lichtenstein that it's a it's a disparagement of regarding the nature of man because man is not this person who objectifies woman. We showed both scientifically and from halachic and ashkafic sources. That's not the way that, that's absolutely not. Um, it lessens possible positive impact of woman. That's true. That's true, but it's also necessary. If you want to have this positive impact, then have woman-specific things. You have these in on Instagram, right? They have these these uh, these women who are on Instagram who post their stories. They're the people who are speaking directly to women. They basically only have woman viewership. They can be the people who are being the role models. Yeah, unfortunately, they're, they're not, pushing but... inappropriate shaitel trends, inappropriate dressing trends. They're not pushing sneeze. They're pushing the limits of sneeze to how attractive we can be and stay within the confines of sneeze. They're pushing the opposite. So, and again, for a midrashic source for that, we have... Avram used to teach the men. Sar used to teach the woman when it comes to converting people. Why did Avram teach the men and woman? Uh, Sar teach the woman? You don't think Sar had any good ideas for the men? It's because women should not be in front of men. Sar is not an object. It's not the woman's job to protect the man more than just being CS. That's not true. That's not the Tarish Kaf. It is the woman's job, not just to protect the man, but it's also protecting herself. The and woman I, is doing her job to protect both of us, and the men are doing their job in order to protect both of them also. Right. The Tarish has way more restrictions like we pointed out on the man. The man can't look. The man can't smell. The man can't look at clothing. I mean, there's so much things to go through the list of things that the man can't do in order to protect the woman. Because, again, the person who dies, sorry, the person who gets lost when men are promiscuous is woman. Men have fun. Women end up with kids. 
that they have to take care of themselves. They end up with failed relationships. They end up with people being unfaithful. They end up being used and discarded and being objectified. This is what the terror does not want you to do. And that's why we believe here at Jewish Thought Flow, the policy to not have women in magazines, especially ones that are meant for male or even male and female consumption, is rooted in terror. It's rooted in science. And it's the right way to go. And we're so looking forward to all your comments, questions, rebuttals. And we can have you either read your emails on the show or you can even come on the show. But the email address is jewishthoughtflow at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe and share it to your friends. That's the only way we're going to be able to get out there is if you share it with people who might be interested in this topic. Even if they disagree, we'd love to get our voice out there. So please help. Our last three episodes have all hit triple digits. Um, one almost getting to 250. So we really appreciate the support and the listeners. Please share, like, subscribe. I'm Avi Cohen. I'm Mati Cohen. And this has been Jewish Thought Flow.